Hey guys, welcome to Turn Em Loose, a podcast about bird dogs and bird hunting. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind you to go ahead and like it and subscribe and share. Uh, if you subscribe, then you'll be able to get the new episodes as they come out and you won't have to go searching. Well, let's get right to it. Folks, I'm on the phone with Jim McCann in Alaska. And uh, I've always wanted to talk to Jim a little bit about hunting in Alaska. I grew up in Alaska in Anchorage, but my dad was not a bird hunter and my dad was not a fisherman, which uh, that was too bad because it's heaven up there for both. And uh, yeah. But anyway, how you doing, Jim? I am doing fine. I am absolutely doing fine. And, you know, I, I come from the same kind of family. Uh, I had to learn all this outdoor stuff on my own. <laughs> how did you end up in Alaska? Yeah, yeah, I learned it on my own, but I didn't learn it in Alaska because uh, I was a kid from upstate New York in uh, oh. a little town called Ossining along the Hudson River. And uh, the only thing it had going for it was Sing Sing Prison. But uh, <laughs> I didn't have anybody inside. I lived on the outside. But uh, um, I just dreamed of it. You know, I uh, when I was a good boy, did my chores and whatnot and didn't get in any trouble with my mom, uh, she would buy me... Uh, subscriptions to the to the big three magazines and you know just fell in love with alaska and i was thinking about it the other day too thinking about my mom and then all the things she put up with with uh-huh. me uh uh she had to i mean she was the kind of old gal that would wax her kitchen floor every week you know and everything had to be proper and then she came home one day and found me uh, burning feathers turkey feathers to make arrows in her kitchen and uh oh. Using, using, using her st- stove with hot melts and whatnot, but, uh, <laughs> to, to build these arrows. But, uh, but yeah, she brought me those magazines and I, I read them at night and, and, uh, you know, she'd, uh, catch me under the covers with a Cub Scout flashlight reading those magazines and I, I determined I'm going to move to Alaska someday. But uh-huh. it wasn't about bird hunting. It was all about big game then. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was enthralled with bird hunting. But uh, I didn't think of Alaska in terms of bird hunting. Uh, not many people do. But, uh-uh. uh, but some of us boys would get together and well, we'd walk across town to a little place we just called the woods. And to us, it was a grand wilderness. But uh, I, I, it probably wasn't 50 acres now that I think back on it. But, uh, but to us, we could just get lost there all day long. And that's where I, oh, I stalked cottontail rabbits and gray squirrels and and a, an occasional fox would be seen uh we'd always be looking for white-tailed deer but then every once in a while we boys would be working through the thick stuff and some kind of bird would explode into flight and just scare the bejeevers out of us <laughs> and we just referred to them as big birds uh-huh. and uh, as, as compared to the, the songbirds that flitted about but uh and then one day, uh, I don't even know if I had a license. I don't think I was even allowed to have a license back then. And uh, But I had my pellet gun, my single-shot pellet rifle. And I went to the woods to uh, mostly to hunt rabbits. But mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden, I uh, my eye spied a, one of those big birds in a thicket. And as I, as I age... That bird tends to get higher and higher off the ground when I took the shot with that single-shot <laughs> rifle. But, uh, but I, I do believe I ground sluiced him. 
<laughs> so he was in full flight. I know he was. He was in full <laughs> yeah, flight. He was. Yeah, you should have seen me. Boy, if they only had video back then, you know. It's, uh, just just imagine me. <laughs> oh, God. But I, yeah. I, I carried him home, and I uh, I went to, an, to to the apartment of another fella and, that I knew hunted, and I said, uh, Mr. Andy, what have I got here? What, what is this big bird? And he said, golly, Jim, that's a partridge. A partridge? And then I, I found out later on that that was a rough grouse. Uh-huh. You know, back then we didn't have Google, of course, you know, so <laughs> had to learn everything. Oh, my gosh. Hard <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you survive? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. But uh, So there I was on the little back porch that we had, you know, and uh, just uh, didn't really know how to clean a bird, but I learned that day, and, and my mom cooked it up for me, thought I was going to die from eating such terrible wild stuff, you know, and. Uh, and uh, and I became a student of the rough grass. I stalk them around, and I don't remember shooting very many of them, but uh, or woodcock, but but I hunted them. And, uh, uh-huh. Of course, I, I still have the shotgun that I my dad bought me at Sears, and uh, a little side by side twenty gauge uh, made by or. For, Stamped on there, J.C. Higgins. I guess it was an AYA gun back in the day. But, you know, I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world, but it's really uh-huh. a piece of garbage. But uh, and I, uh, oh, several years ago, I, I took it out of the back of the safe and went out hunting ptarmigan up here with it. And and I know why I wasn't hitting many rough grouse when I was a kid. It's choked tight and a whole lot tighter. Tighter <laughs> and. Uh, and those barrels, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think they point at 90 degrees from each other. I don't know, but <laughs> I had a hard time killing a ptarmigan. And, and then I'm, by now, I'm usually a pretty good game shot. But, uh, yeah, but anyhow, that was my first gun. And that's, uh, I learned about all that. And I, I finally made my move to Alaska. I, uh, cause I want to be in Alaska and I want to be a state trooper. So I, I made the quantum leap between wow. Alaska and, and trooper. And I signed up for the, Took the test and everything for the Alaska State Troopers, and those fools hired me. Well, and, what year was that that you moved up? Uh, well, I was here earlier. I was here '71, uh-huh. and they hired me in April of '72, and uh-huh. uh, and I did that. I did that job. I I hunted monsters, uh, the, the murder guy, for yeah 28 years, and uh, but now. I'm a full-time bird hunter, photographer, <laughs> uh-huh. occasional occasional moose hunter, but uh, I uh, I just love it here. I mean, there's we pay our dues in the winter. You know, uh-huh. Living here in the interior, it's it, it's pretty brutal in the winter, but uh, even that's been moderating. You know, the last ten years have been pretty easy on us, really. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but. Well, uh, that, that, um, so you're, this is the most one of the amazing facts. Uh, somebody told me, I've never seen it in writing, that your season goes from April. Uh, I don't know what is your what's what's nope. your season up there? It's like eight months well, long or something. Like that. No, it, it is it is nine months long. It, it's actually uh, it opens on August 10th, oh, which is okay. any, any bird no hunter knows that's a little early for birds, but uh-huh. uh, but it doesn't mean you have to shoot them. You know you can. I, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll start on August 10th if, if it's cool enough, or I go up into the high country and chase around some ptarmigan, and 
you know, I'll, I'll shoot an adult that's alone and out there, you know, but uh, it comes up in front of the dogs. But basically, it's a good time to train the dogs and stretch your legs and whatever. But it goes from April 10th to uh, to April 30th for me here in the interior. But it's, it uh-huh. varies now. It's been changing here and there. You know, August, August, August 10th, April 30th. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. But, yeah. but that's not, that's not all over the state. And they, they, they're, they're varying it from time to time here in, in different places because, you know, Alaska is changing like every place else. It's not what it was in the 50s and 60s. It's, uh, mm-hmm. no, it's not the most fertile ground. And, uh, but now there's, there's more and more people. Um, you know, I think when I moved here, there, there was nowhere near a half million people in the entire state, and I think now we've got a million or pretty close to it. And really, wow! Oh yeah, and we have you know we have a lot of military presence here too. You know, Air Force bases and Army bases, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and those boys are here to have fun. I mean, they may be here to train, but when they're off and they're off duty a lot, they they hit it hard. And so there's you know there's there's quite a Quite a lot of people out there off these few highways that we have that are using the resource, but uh, it has changed. But it, yeah. it doesn't bother me a whole lot. Right, um, right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I think I, I don't know when we got up there in the early '60s. I graduated from West Anchorage High School in '68, and then uh, went outside to college, and I haven't lived back there since. But you know, I I did a lot of the same stuff. I used to take 22 shells apart and get the powder, and you know, I was, I was you know, just stupid stuff. I used to hunt with one of those wrist rockets, those uh, slingshots, yep. with yep. pellets, you know, with uh, ball bearings. And yep. I used to go out and I used to just uh, you know, hunt bear with them, usually grizzlies, and uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. In fact, uh, I just wrote a story about the time I got treed. I say treed, I jumped in a deadfall to get away from a moose one time, and and uh, it just in retelling it, it scared me more than it did the day it happened. But, um, but yeah, yeah growing up are dangerous. Life, they are dangerous, and the cows scare yeah. me. Uh, it, it was funny. We were in uh, uh, my wife and I took a vacation. We were in Wyoming in the Big Horn Mountains, and we were in a campground. And uh, right across the creek, it was about a twenty foot creek. Uh, there was a cow moose with a calf, and everybody mm-hmm. was just totally ignoring this cow moose with a calf. And I told my wife, I said, "You keep an eye on her." Cause that's that's dangerous, and so she said, okay, you know. So, but and she knew the story about me getting chased and everything, and so I, uh, uh, I was fishing in that creek, and uh, I was looking at her, going, hey, look at this, and I think I think it's a fish. You know, I'm gonna, I was fly fishing and having a good time there, and she said, Randy, look, and I looked up to my right, and all I saw was a cow moose head with her ears laid back, and I went yeah. across that creek. She said that I did not even touch water. I went across that creek. I did not even. It was like being chased again, you know. I got across the other creek, grabbed her, and we started running. And we were in the middle of the campground at this point. And the, the moose, the mama moose, stayed on the other side. Thank God for that. But yeah, they're dangerous, and the people don't. They can be. They you know, mostly it's it's up here. It's it's on trails and whatnot, you know. And then when you're sharing a trail in the winter, especially, because they got it really rough. Uh, a yeah. lot of snow, and it's real rough for them there. They're usually harassed all night long by wolves and packs of coyotes or whatever, and so they get a little bit testy about sharing trails. And uh huh. But yeah, they're in my neighborhood, you know. And yeah, they uh, they'll, they'll jump my my fence or come around and they come in to look for the old gardens underneath the snow and stuff like that. But 
Yeah, yeah. Used to do that in Anchorage too. Yep. Well, you know, and there's a lot of moose around Anchorage, and there's some some buster bulls too. I tell you, that's uh, people. Uh, I was just giving a lecture to a photography group, and they were talking about photographing bull moose and everything. And and uh, actually, I was talking about selling photographs to magazines, and I said, I said I don't mess around too much with moose. Why is that? Well, because some of the biggest bulls in Alaska are walking around downtown Anchorage. They just walk through the traffic. And some of these photographers down there are skillful enough to wait till they walk off into a little wooded area and they shoot photographs of them. So the biggest bulls around are being photographed with right in the middle of a big city yeah. in the park. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's funny. Well, so bird hunting in Alaska. Uh, what yeah. are your what's your what type of dog? What breed of dog is your favorite? Well, you know, I knew you were going to ask me that, and uh, and people always do. They say, how did I end up with Britney's? And, um, you know, when I was, again, hiding under the covers instead of going to sleep or whatever and reading in magazines with my little Cub Scout flashlight, I, I, I read all about, you know, the different, uh, oh, Spiller and Tapley and all those big names back in then, uh, back in those times. But, uh, you know, most of them had setters, and I figured my plan was to get a Llewellyn setter. But I, but I always saw and read about and kind of liked what I heard and saw about Britneys. You know, I wasn't surrounded by them at all. I'd never even seen one work. But, uh, uh, but then here I am in Alaska, and uh, I, uh, again, I was centered at first on big game hunting and did a lot of that, and I still do. But now and then, but, but I was I was focused on big game hunting. But I'd be hiking or riding my horse up through the woods and through the Aspen hillsides, and I'd keep putting up rough grouse, and I thought, hmm. So I I started hunting rough grouse a little bit here and there, and it just it grew. And I knew I wanted a dog, but, uh, you know, I uh, it was also the state's senior criminal investigator, too, and I was gone all the time, uh, a frequent flyer all over the place. And whether I flew the airplane or I was flying wherever, all over Alaska, uh, all over the country, I'd be doing stakeouts in Miami and New York City and catching bad guys in Texas. And so I didn't have time for a dog. But as I drew near to, to the end of my career, or, I didn't know that I, my career was going to end at that particular point, but I, I, I really wanted a, a pointing dog. Uh-huh. I'd been looking around and thinking, you know, and I, I'd been thinking about the Brittany, but a horse friend of mine, uh, her boyfriend bought a uh, bought a pup a Brittany pup, and then decided they didn't know how to train the dog, so they spent their money on uh, a finished dog out of Idaho and just just hanging around one day said, hey, I got this pup coming. Uh, you want him? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a finished <laughs> so dog. That's so, great. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I, I wrote him a check, and uh, I got the dog, and, and it, it – as they say, the rest is history. I just, uh, I mean, I, I love them all. But yeah, I like them little, them little Britneys and little gerbils. Well, I got to tell you that your pictures are amazing. You know, you're oh, a professional thanks. photographer in every sense of the word. Yeah. But I just love that. You know, I was just looking on your Facebook page, and this one you got of—is it Clyde? Uh, yeah, Clyde. Airborne. Oh, they, oh yeah. <laughs> Look on his yeah, face. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a corker. He's he's uh, I, I take a lot of pictures of him and now Jake and uh-huh. they, uh, 
and uh, well, Charlie's like me. He's not so cute to look at anymore. He's getting old, and but, uh, yeah, it's uh, photography has been a big part of my life too. You know, I, and of course I, I started out doing that uh, as as an investigator doing crime scene stuff. We didn't have crime labs or anything else, so I did all my own photography. Yeah, and uh, then I I took photography in college, and and then decided I ought to start selling a few photographs now and then, and. I started that about 84, 85, I don't know, and I've been doing it ever since. And, uh-huh. and then one day sitting out on the deck in the sunshine and reading a magazine, an outdoor magazine, and drinking a beer, and I decided, you know, I can write this stuff. So I uh-huh. tried that, and and several several rejections later, I determined that I, I didn't know how to write this stuff, but I worked <laughs> hard at it, and so I've been doing that for like, 30, 35 years now too. So it's just one thing led into the other, and I needed diversions, something else besides uh-huh. murder. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and and man's evil behavior. But uh, so I did a lot of wildlife photography, and and I still do. I'm it's my in between season and during season. I'm I got a camera with me all the time. Right, and. I, I'll uh, I'll be out stalking uh, drumming rough grouse here in April and May and oh then I'll be out a ways uh, stalking uh, uh, sharp tails on their leks and uh-huh. I know a bunch of places where the all you know, the rock ptarmigan breed so I'll be sneaking around up in those mountains and getting some good exercise and hopefully taking some more photographs. Oh, that's awesome! But I'm so, not done uh, hunting yet. Uh, no. I mean, for the season or just overall? No, 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 just for the season. I'm going to do this until I don't do anything anymore. Until, oh, yeah. Until they, yeah. until they take me over to the crematorium. But, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, no, um, no, I'm going to, no, I'll probably uh, be up in the high country. Uh, I think I might go tomorrow, as a matter of fact. It's been pretty warm and the snow is, is getting, uh, Center. It's still there's still snow up in the high country, but uh, but it's getting a little soft. So I'll go early in the morning so my snowshoes uh, don't uh, you know they'll keep me a little bit up on top a little bit and yeah go chase go chase some ptarmigan tomorrow in the sunshine. Well, yeah, you're killing me. I don't want to hear any more about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're killing you know, me. I, I read I, I read about all your exploits and everything, and I want to do all that. I want to hunt quail. I I you know I want to do this and do that. I but I, I've got it good here, you know. It, like I say, it's not the most fertile ground. You know, there are better rough grouse hunting places than than Alaska. But uh, it, for me, it's perfect because. Yeah. Well, somebody says, "Well, how big are your coverts?" Well, that's that's <laughs> hard. I mean, I don't know, a couple million acres. I don't. I don't know what to tell them, you know, because they're just they're just all over. I mean, it's just they're just huge. And yeah, I I've seen a few bird hunters. In the last several years, literally, I've seen a few in in the woods. Well, actually, they would be on farms, private farms that I hunt down in in uh, Delta area that uh, uh, other people have been allowed on. And, but other than that, I don't see anybody in the woods. Uh huh. I don't have any uh-huh. of those stories where I pull up to my cupboards and oh gosh, somebody's parked there. You know, yeah. or there's, there's there's a bunch of guys that are, and their dogs already went through there. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, the only things going through my coverts are grizzly bears and wolves and coyotes and fox and marten and mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. But yeah, 
Well, I read your book, Upland Hunting in Alaska. I remember I asked you about it before we recorded, but the, uh, and I remember I was just fascinated by that. Uh, you know, you wrote that a long time ago, but I did, yeah. uh, learned a lot about it. And, uh, it was like, you know, it's like when I read about fly fishing in Alaska now, I just, I thought, man, I just totally missed that part when I was up there, you know, so. Oh, well, you know, I. I sort of miss it too because uh, I'm just telling. Uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, sort of in the negotiations for another book, and they they want mostly a, a photo book. They love my photos, but uh, I'm in a, an interesting dilemma in that uh, fly fishing used to be the other big thing that I did, uh-huh. and I I was all over the state. I got magazine assignments, you know, and I I wrote about fly fishing for all the magazines, and and I had all I still I have thousands and thousands of slides of you know, 10 pound rainbows and 40 pound salmon and all that stuff, but they're no good to me anymore commercially. So I'm in a dilemma where my digital photographs that nowadays are, they consist of my, my dry fly fishing on home water for uh-huh. trailing and that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, that, that doesn't cut it. So uh-huh. somewhere along the line, I, I, I fell out of favor for or magazine editors change and go away and, uh-huh. Some some magazines close their doors, and I'd imagine they all will pretty soon. But uh, where yeah. things are going, but uh, it's tough to compete. Yeah, I, I've got to I got to reinvent myself as a fly fishing photographer now too. So it's uh, yeah. well, it's I, I like the pictures. I like what you're posting. So I mean, they're obviously you obviously still got it. Well, I was going to ask you about hunting on snowshoes and hunting in the winter and the cold weather and your Brits. Yeah. And yep. um, so you talked about hunting on snowshoes, for example, tomorrow. But um, you know, how do you do, how do the how do your Brits handle the the cold? I mean, and and when well, I say they, cold, I mean what do you mean cold? When you say cold, and when I say cold, are two different things, I'm sure. So, well, see, that's that's the other point about our long season. It's one thing to say that we have a nine month season, but the other is, can you use all of that nine months? And you can't really. I mean, you you could as if you drove the roads and shot things sitting on trees or on the ground near the road. But uh, for a pointing dog guy, um, you know, it, the late winter is is not a time for hunting in Alaska. I mean, it's I get windows, uh, you know, Chinook winds. I'll get these window openings where all of a sudden I look at, oh man, it's going to be like ten tomorrow, ten above. Well, that's pretty good for me as long as the wind's not blowing, and I'll uh-huh. take off someplace. And usually in the winter, for me, it's ptarmigan hunting. Um, right. I, I leave the, the rough grouse alone anyhow. They got, I just love them so much, and but I also leave them alone because in the winter because trappers are in the woods. So I, I stay clear with my dogs. So I'd, I'd be up in the high country, but uh, and, and often there's a, a temperature inversion. It could be five below, ten below at my house. But by the time I get up to 3,000 feet or so, it's, uh, you know, five above, ten above. And that, that's good for me and the dogs. My, uh-huh. my Brittany's love, they love the snow and they hunt well in it. They, they don't shiver. They don't, they don't have any problems. They, they love it. Um, so if, if it's a couple of degrees above zero uh, and any kind of breeze blowing, I don't know. I, uh, I look back into the, truck and see that thermos of coffee and think, ah, I think maybe maybe I'll just drive around and find something to photograph today but um but usually that's my cutoff it's like five six seven degrees something like that but oh my gosh uh, I just you know 
I get into North Dakota sometimes, and it'll get down that cold. And and yeah. uh, but the problem with there is it's almost always blowing. And uh, yeah. you know, I I have yeah. bundled up enough to be able to go out, and you know, the dogs are okay, and I know that when they're working, uh, because there's not that much snow on the ground, and so yeah, you know, they're well warm with their exercise and so on. But uh, oh, that's just that is just brutal. <laughs> just brutal. Oh, it is. So. It is. You know, and, and, and those, those little gerbils of ours, uh, they learn tricks too, you know, that, uh, in, in this one huge mountain valley that I, I, I often go to for ptarmigan, um, typically down low, just off the road and up, I don't know, up, up the mountainside a bit. It's deep, soft snow. Uh-huh. And it, it's, boy, it's hard. It, it, it's really hard on them and it's really hard on me. We'll shoot a few willow ptarmigan there, but then the dogs will get tired and they'll come around and they'll get on the back of my snowshoes, or at least they try to. And <laughs> they, uh, yeah, I, I hope my voice isn't still echoing uh, those, those cuss words up in those valleys because uh, it, it could get downright ugly. I'd fall over, you know, and, and I'm always carrying a really, a really good shotgun in my right hand, so I, I'm a one-armed guy. I have to keep that shotgun nice and clean and dry. And oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The video would be uh, some of those events would have been hilarious because <laughs> I'm literally swimming in the snow trying to get back on my feet. And oh my god! Then, then we get up high enough where it's windblown, and then life is good for everybody. Uh, the dogs are running on top. There's just a little skip of snow and. And then it's wind blowing hard underneath, and they think it's great. And and I didn't think it was too great in the in the early days, you know, decades ago, because I wore traditional ash and uh, rawhide snowshoes, uh-huh. and and I'm not a downhill skier, and uh, that got pretty ugly at that point. So I finally switched over to the largest pair of aluminum snowshoes I could find with cleats, and now oh. life is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, that, um, so you, um, oh shoot, I had a thought and I lost. And I lost. Oh, ptarmigan. Tell me a little bit about ptarmigan. I, you know, we shot we shot them for camp meat. I shot them with a twenty-two, and yep. uh, and that was that was the extent of my bird hunting when I because we were big game hunting all the time. Uh, yeah. But um, so when you're hunting them in the winter like this, are they flocked up? Are they singles? Uh, you know, what yeah, are, yeah, are they? They're a grouse, right? They're grouse type of bird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. And and here in the interior, we mostly have rock ptarmigan, but uh, occasionally, um, well, there's willow ptarmigan pass through. Well, they pass through right now. They're passing through. They're starting to move. They're starting to migrate to their breeding areas. So I, I'll shoot a lot of willow ptarmigan now, probably tomorrow. But uh, uh, and and rock ptarmigan. I climb a little higher for rock ptarmigan, but uh, um, they they're in small coveys. Um, in the middle of the winter, they can be in huge coveys. Uh-huh. Um, and and the first part of it, uh, usually, I, I give up on on rough grouse uh, in October sometimes, depending on the on the weather. Um, a lot of times anymore, there's hardly any snow in the first couple of weeks of October. So I've I've hunted every other day, or or even more than that, for sharp tails, rough grouse, and then I I kind of. I kind of give up on the on the sharp tails because where I hunt them, they migrate as well. And so where I hunt them, they around the last day of September, the first day or two of October, they have gone off to their mountain 
winter area. So I, oh. I'll go down to places like the, uh, the the famous Denali Highway and uh, uh-huh. to hunt ptarmigan, and it's it, it's kind of amazing. It's it's actually tough on a bird dog because there could be a hundred birds in a flock. Wow! And you, you know what that does to? And I've I actually poor Jake, he's such a good dog. He's a top dog. He I I just took a chance one day and I went down there and camped out. And, oh, and everybody else had left the caribou hunters had gone home and they'd seen snow and it scared them and they all left the wilderness to go back to their city homes and then i watched the weather and yep it sun came out and melted all the snow uh most of it but uh i would i would go down there i'd pick a place and uh i knew exactly where to go anyhow because you could drive down that road looking and all you got to do is find a north facing ridge where there's still some snow and those ptarmigan have already turned white from photo period. Mother Nature has turned them, you know, based on photo, on, on daylight. Uh-huh. And they are white birds in a dark world. And they know exactly that they are wearing the king's clothes. Right. And uh, and they are pretty pretty hard to get close to, and they will fly. They will flush and, and go right to any little patch of snow. Uh-huh. It's pretty amazing. Matter of fact, uh, late this last fall, uh, despite the fact that I'm an old man now and I, I'm not as tough as I used to be, but I, uh, I climbed up into the Alaska range at about 5,000 feet, which is a, a long ways up from sea level around here. And, uh, you know, three hours of climbing and to photograph doll sheep. And in my travels of sneaking around on three rams that I spent the day photographing, I'd, I'd come upon little patches of snow. It had snowed the week before. But there were still little patches of snow, and I only photographed one rock ptarmigan that was just desperate to find a place to hide because he was all white. And but I'd, I'd come on any little patch. Uh, I'd, in fact, I was clinging to a free slope, and they came around, and, and there was a there was a patch of snow. I don't know, uh, all about as big as a couple of trucks, but there was 30 or 40 ptarmigan crammed on it. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah. and they all, they all flushed. I wish I could have got a photograph of it, but I was, I was hanging on with all three hands at that point and, uh, uh I don't want to be a statistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, I'm excited to be working with a new sponsor. It's Electronic Shooters Protection or ESP for short. Their website is ESPamerica.com. And they supply custom earplugs for shooting for uh, shooters shooting. So that'll uh, it's just right up our alley as bird hunters. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of us have hearing damage from just throughout the years, and also from my jobs outside of bird hunting. I guess mine was a pilot, and I was around jets all my life, and and I think that probably contributed to some of the problems I'm having today. I just had a ear test done or a hearing test done, and uh, a dog came out and said you know i'm surprised you can function everything's out of the normal range and i said what so yeah apparently i got some hearing problems but these custom earpieces that you get back from esp uh, of course they're custom fit for all day comfort but they block out uh, the noises like gunfire and uh that cause noise induced hearing loss but you'll be able to hear sounds that give you an advantage in the field. For example, 
birds flushing. And I laughed because I was in a field trial the other day and a bird flushed up at my feet uh, underneath my right ear, unfortunately. And the only reason I knew it left is because my bird dog <laughs> went after it. Uh, luckily, I was able to turn around and shoot the bird, but, uh, you know, I'm, it's bad. Also, all these, uh, the plugs are waterproof, and uh, they, will, they will adjust for the uh, environmental conditions, too. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I'm going to have to read about it a little bit. The, the model I'm getting is the Stealth model, and uh, they actually can be programmed to meet my hearing needs, which is why I sent a copy of my hearing test uh, in with the molds that I had made for my ear. So when I get a little bit more, I'll uh, let you know more about it. But um, ESPamerica.com. Thanks. Well, Jim and I talked for quite a while, so I split this up into two segments. And that's the end of the first segment, so I'll release the second segment shortly, and be sure to come back and listen to that part. Uh, we talk about uh, Lex and bears and shotguns. So, uh, see you then. Well, that's it, my friends, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I am always looking for suggestions. And you can leave a message on the Anchor app, and it will come directly to me. Or you can go to my blog, abirdhunterstoughts.com, and leave a message there. Or you can go to Facebook, and my page is abirdhunterstoughts.com-turnemloose. Any one of those ways, you can leave me a message, and uh, I'll get it. And uh, I'll probably read some of the comments on the air later on. Got a book coming out. It's called Endless October. It'll be on Amazon. Uh, paperback will be out shortly. And a Kindle edition just a little bit after that. And don't forget to try and be the man your dog, bird dog thinks you are. Happy hunting.